Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Chiefs' kingdom, welcome in to the latest edition of the AP Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We talk Chiefs here on this podcast, talking Chiefs today, Chiefs-Titans last night's Sunday night game, I guess maybe two nights ago if you're listening by now. Chiefs get an overtime win, 20-17. to 17. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about the future of the Chiefs coming out of it. Yes, I am not Matt Stagner, who is usually the one bringing you into the podcast. Uh, it is Ron Kopp Jr., though, one of the familiar faces on this podcast, but today I am joined by Nate Christensen. He's going to join he's going to fill in for Stags today. Uh Nate, you're here to break down the game with me. First of all, how you doing and uh, how did you feel about the the latest Chiefs victory getting them to 6 and 2? Uh thanks for having me on. I'm doing well and yeah, that was probably one of the more unique, weird Chiefs games in the rec- like few recent years because and I will dive into this like the stats just don't make sense. Like the Chiefs, you know, run a ton of plays. The Titans had struggles on offense. And the Titans, it felt like the Titans were controlling that game. And then you like look at the numbers and the film and stuff like that. It just doesn't feel that way. So it was one of the most interesting games. I, it's hard to take away a lot from it just because it's such like an outlier game. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that. I think the biggest thing is that it is an AFC opponent that – you know, with the, with the way their division is looking, it's probably going to get that title and probably going to, you know, uh, you know, be one of the likelier candidates to see the Chiefs in the playoffs. So kind of a precursor there and and, and kind of definitely a game where, you know, it, it could be a little bit of a warm up, a little bit of a maybe a round one. And but that's but you're right. It was a really weird game. Uh, 20 to 17 overtime. The Chiefs obviously are down by eight, you know, most of the second half. Um, and, and it comes down to the last drive of the of regulation pretty much or, or one of the last drives. The Chiefs drive down and, and tie it up. Mahomes scrambles in for a touchdown, then gets a two-pointer scrambling in as well. But that's the thing, Nate. You say it's weird. I mean, we gotta have we gotta have a take about this game. Are you more impressed with the with the way the Chiefs were able to 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 pull out this win, the kind of the ugly win? Or is it was it more of a discouraging kind of kind of game to be like, oh, okay, we're kind of ugly. Ugly win against a, a quarterback, a rookie quarterback, and his only his second career start. If you had to choose one or the other, you're saying impressed or discouraged? Which which side are you leaning on after this game? I think it's hard to be impressed. Like I I know every win's an important win, and obviously the Titans are a good football team. They're just a solid good football team. But honestly, I left feeling kind of discouraged, and I won't like spoil too much in like what we're going to talk about today. But it didn't really feel like the Chiefs had a lot of answers on offense. And it's disappointing because you had two weeks to prepare for this game. And Tennessee is a good defense. They've been a good defense this entire season. And some of the ways that they beat us are like other teams are going to do. 
Um, yes, the Titans are more physical and they're probably like bigger, more athletic than most teams that Chiefs will face. But I am a little concerned about just like there is a clear game script on how to beat the Chiefs. And I don't, you know, football is a game of inches. But if Patrick Mahomes doesn't get that third and 17 where he just makes an insane play, we're all here really mad. So the game script was totally in Tennessee's favor. And considering the circumstances where they don't have like a wide receiver, they had a backup quarterback who basically couldn't throw. They weren't trusting him to throw. The fact that you were kind of getting dominated throughout that entire game physically and coaching wise, I, I just don't find that encouraging. Yeah, dominated physically. Uh, you know, I, I think that is definitely the case, especially when you talk about the Chiefs offensive, uh, you know, running game. Right. I mean, the fact that it didn't even exist it, it is kind of, you know, proves your point that it's just like, man, they, they really couldn't get anything going huh? They, you know, in a game where it's not like they had to play, you know, pass. You know, they weren't playing from behind the entire game. You know, they, they could have established a run and they just couldn't. So I get it. But I mean, I have to go on the other side, Nate. I have to say, I have to at least say impressed because I do think this is, we've seen this Chiefs team lose this game all the time. We've actually seen it sure. this year against the Colts. Uh, it was a very similar game, in my opinion. You know, the defense, you know, kind of doing enough, you know, keeping it a low scoring game, but the offense just continuing to shoot themselves in the foot. Special teams you know, shooting themselves in the foot. We saw some missed field goals or missed kicks, I should say, last night. But I don't know. Honestly, I was just really impressed with Tennessee for the, for a lot of uh, reasons. I mean, I didn't really give them much of a chance in this game, especially Malik Willis, you know, became the starter um, because of Tannehill's injury, which was last minute. And the Chiefs didn't really have time to prepare for that. Although I don't know if you heard, but Chris Jones in postgame was like, Jeffrey Simmons basically told him like sometime during the week that Willis <laughs> yeah. was going to start. So maybe they didn't know. Maybe they had more heads up than, than the rest of us did. But uh, Jeffrey Simmons maybe regretting being friendly with Chris Jones. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I just have to say impressed because I do think the way they pulled it out, you know, the way, you know, the defense did step up when they, when they needed to, obviously in the second half, you know, they did, they did get gashed at first. Right. And you're about to get mm -hmm. into that. I'm about to throw it to you to, to work about to talk about some, some important stats there, but they did get gashed in the first half. It was impressive to see spags, you know, kind of change up the game plan a little bit. I, I did feel like you did notice a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like they were kind of just sealing up the gaps a little more in the second mm -hmm. half. Um, not, not letting, you know, Henry get going as much. The defensive line deserves credit for that too. Just stepping up their play. Um, and so I was just, I, I was impressed more than, more than discouraged, but it definitely wasn't the, 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 the cleanest win. And, and, and on defense, I think that's the kind of the first place we're going to start with that. So you have some numbers for us. Let's, let's get into those. Yeah. So weekly I try and uh, like kind of look at like the yards for play and like success rate of the chiefs and kind of like the trends of that over the season. Cause I kind of like to look at that um, to break down success rate quickly. The reason why I like success rate and I'll give you the definition here is for a first down to be considered success, you gain at least 50% of the yards required. So like on a first to 10, if you gain at least five yards, it's a success on second down it's 70, 70% of the yards. So second mm. and seven, if you get five and then on third or fourth down, it's, you just have to convert. It doesn't matter right. the distance if you're successful or not. And I like looking at that just to kind of be like, okay, like what was noticeable? And honestly, that guides some of my article when I write it during the week. So the first, the numbers for the Chiefs defense were really, really weird. So they started the first half, and if you look at the yards per play, they were playing terribly. They gave up an average of 10.85 yards per play in the first half. That's terrible. That's a first down every single play. So you look <laughs> at that, like, okay, the Chiefs must have just, like, given up a ton of, like, six, like they didn't have a lot of successful plays. 
But out of um, 38 plays, they were successful on 18 of them. So they were right around like 50% success rate on defense. Like that's pretty good. That's around like a good defense in the NFL is around 48 to 50%. So you kind of look at like, how is that possible? Well, they generated six explosive plays and I, I categorize explosive plays by 15 yard plays and plus they generated six. And that's a lot like over the course of the game in that first half, that was around like 31% of their plays. Yeah. Like that's a lot. It's a lot of plays. So it just affected the entire game. But then you go to the second half and I have this written down here. The Titans ran 26 plays in the second half for overtime. Out of 26 plays, they had one successful run. That is it. Wow. They averaged 0.65 yards per play. On third down, <laughs> there were 11 attempts. This is the entire game. The Chiefs gave up negative one yards. Wow. Kansas City failed on 10 plays out of 45 the entire game. Six were explosive runs. If you eliminate six, six explosive runs and two touchdowns, the Titans had two successful plays out of 37. And they almost won this game. Yeah, it just doesn't, and, it, it breaks math. Like that doesn't even make sense. Like how the fact that they were like dominating a football game, but they like legitimately couldn't move the ball in, is it's baffling. Well, yeah, and and that's where I think those numbers do speak to to why the Titans feel like they are kind of that recipe of a team to beat the Chiefs a lot of the time, right? Is because they you know a lot they are a run heavy team, and that's not going to lead to a high success rate of plays, right? Because you're it's low efficiency. You're running the ball way more than you probably should as a modern NFL offense. But then they, the Titans get these explosive plays. And in, in the past, they had A.J. Brown and other playmakers. Uh, obviously, tonight or last night, they didn't have them. But in, in the first quarter and a half, they, it, you know, they had those explosive plays. They made those anyway. You know, Malik Willis, he had, he had a few nice plays. I will say there was, mm-hmm. there was a throw he had. Um, he, he was running away from Carlopas and Jones, and he threw it. And I could not believe how far it got for where he was throwing. I know he has an arm. I knew he had a cannon, but mm-hmm. um, it was, it was re- well placed, too, on the sideline. But yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. That's it, it, those numbers kind of speak to like I feel like when the Titans are are doing their thing, this is what they do. Like yeah, they're gonna they're not gonna get a lot of or like be efficient maybe, but they're gonna get the explosive plays. And that's gonna make the difference. And yeah, I mean if they would have kept going on their first half rate, they would have definitely won this game. But it, it's, right, those numbers in the second half, Chiefs defense, that's really impressive. Yeah, and in, in fairness to the Titans, they had a couple drops like vertical passes. Like they definitely had a few like plays that they left on yeah. the field. Yeah, that, like. But that kind of goes back to their issues as a team, and we're not breaking that down here. But it is insane to see, like, when you run 26 plays in overtime in the second half and you have one successful play, that's just – that's not an NFL offense. Like, you, that's just not an NFL offense. You have 25 yards in the third quarter, eight in the yeah. fourth quarter. I mean, negative 16 in overtime. That's that's <laughs> not an offense. You, you have one yard in the second half. And uh, just for reference, I don't include penalties with that. So, you know, they could have generated some yards for penalties, but it wasn't anything sustainable. They had one first down the entire second half. So, like, the Chiefs defense deserves credit, obviously. They, you know, they like you said, they kind of stopped the leaks. They were just playing better. And, I, you know, they seemed to come out more fire in the second half, and I don't know who's to contribute for that, but they just stopped, I, they just stopped allowing explosive plays, and that was kind of the end of the game. The Titans had, like, I, I don't know if this was part of their game plan, but it kind of felt like they knew like they had like eight plays. They had to have eight plays on offense and they got those plays, but they couldn't do anything outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I, I made it. I wrote up the defense for, for my post game write up. And uh, yeah, one of the things is, yeah, they had those six plays. You mentioned the stats. And after the second touchdown, their second scoring drive of the game, 
they did not have another play of over, you know, 15 yards for the rest of the game. So that's two and a half quarters. And yeah, I mean, this is a defense that was missing Frank Clark, which I thought was going to be, you know, a a pretty big deal for this game. You know, his, his just kind of his solid play against the run, you know, uh, Trent McDuffie in his first game back from injury, you know, you know, that could, you know, it could be a a rookie playing kind of, you know, while everyone else has kind of gotten their feet under them in this season, he's still kind of, you know, a rookie. It's kind of still his first real game, uh, you know, uh, first home game at least. Um, and, and he played well. He, he played really well. We'll talk about him a little later. But while we're talking defense, I, I think it's probably a good time to shout out. Uh, I, I think someone that really played well, Colin Saunders, um, the defensive tackle, still didn't start or anything, but, but rotated in um, with, with, with the defensive tackles um, and, and started playing a lot more in the second half and led the team in tackles, Nate. Led the team in tackles with six, the entire team. Linebackers and all had three tackles that held Derrick Henry to two or less yards, and they were and they were all solo tackles according to the play the play uh, list. And obviously he had that chase down sack, which obviously I know it's a pursuing sack rather than you know like a, he won a rep real quick and, and got a sack late in the game, but still got a sack. Saunders, I don't know, man. It, it, this is starting to become. I'm starting to become Colin Saunders, uh, number one fan right here, like on this podcast. Like I'm, I, I should have a week. I feel like I have a weekly segment on the show talking about Colin Saunders because he is, he, he's a guy that just deserves more plays. A guy that, that is just continuing to get better and better. One of those guys that like you remember from, from like them drafting him and like the excitement of him. Like, yeah, you could see how he could be like a, a good little rotational player. Mm-hmm. And it's just never really coming all together, but this is what it always was. We always wanted to see. And so, I don't know. I'm just happy for him. He was definitely one of the big reasons why this defense stepped up in the second half. He played really well. And so shout out Colin Saunders. I don't know. How do, are you feeling the love for Colin Saunders? Are you going to you gonna share in the love with me? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I love to be wrong about players. I didn't like Colin Saunders coming into the draft. I didn't really <laughs> love like what he did the first years of Kansas City, but he really has put it all together. And, okay. you know, he's not a traditional <laughs> nose tackle or anything like that. He's like six foot. Yeah. He has short arms. He's barely 300 pounds, but He's really just a tremendous athlete. He works really hard. And yeah, like, especially against a team like Tennessee that runs a lot more zone runs. So they're not running directly at him. That athleticism pops. Right. And like, he's probably honestly as fat, explosive as Derrick Henry, like in the hole. <laughs> like, you I might mean, not be able to keep up with them spe- for, for, or step for step. But I mean, initially. I like that take. <laughs> I like that take. No, no, no. I, I, I like that take. Well, that's funny because then apparently we don't feel the same way because Saunders was actually one of – that was like the first draft I really started paying attention to. And <laughs> he was one of my guys even before the Chiefs drafted him. So mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of his. But, uh, you know, Saunders was was kind of a defensive hero last night. But we got to talk about the guy that really was the MVP of this game. And, and the MVP of this NFL right now, this NFL season, um, if you're really breaking it down right now, after – you know, you know, Bills fans not listening to this, so we can we can say Josh Allen had a pretty bad game yesterday and, and almost, you know, threw himself out of the MVP race, uh, you know, for the time being. Mahomes, though, has, a, you know, a historic game when you look at the, the amount of plays he had to run. Um, 91 snaps, and that doesn't include penalties, so 91 plays ran um, for the offense. It's actually the third most offensive plays in Chiefs history. And his pass attempts, he had 68 pass attempts. That's 13 more pass attempts than any other Chiefs quarterback in franchise history. So historic game. It was kind of, you know, just being at the game, just watching the game. It did like it felt such like it's like such a long game because there were just so many times Mahomes was dropping back and throwing. But guess what he did with those? He he turned 68 attempts on 78 dropbacks. 
into 446 passing yards and 63 scramble yards. That adds up to 509 uh, total yards. And, uh, you know, had the touchdown, the, the rushing touchdown, had the, the quick throw to McColl touchdown as well. I was just so impressed with, with Mahomes this game because um, he just had to be so patient because because the Titans defense played well. They, they really were mixing a lot of coverages, right? Really take, you know, like late snap, you know, late in the cadence or post snap kind of moving stuff around their safeties moving around and kind of taking away what he thought he was going to have, you know, pre-snap. And he really just had to stay patient and, you know, he checked down a lot. Right. And, and he didn't scramble a ton, but he scrambled effectively when he did, you know, he had three first down scrambles and, and, and two of them were, were huge, you know, runs like 15 plus yards that, that were on third down, just incredible scrambles. So just, just the decisiveness he played with the, you know, he wasn't, he didn't force anything. There might've been one time, he forced maybe a, an errant throw downfield to Sky more, but he really was just playing so patiently, just giving what the defense, uh, taking what the defense gave him, even if that was over seventy-eight dropbacks and and just so much, you know, time to for him to say screw it, I'm gonna, excuse me, I'm gonna force this into it, you know, into a receiver one time, and that's the the one really bad pick, and his only interception obviously went off Kelsey's hands, you know, we an, another one of those picks we all you know we saw a lot last year that just. You know, it, it drives you crazy. But all that to say, really impressive game from Mahomes, an MVP kind of game from Mahomes. You look at the scoreboard, you see 20 points, and you're like, okay, he couldn't have played that well. You know, maybe for kind of a Mahomes hater or a Chiefs hater. No, this, this, he willed this team to victory. There, there was no run game. Receivers were not getting open, which we'll talk about a little later. But Nate, just your, uh, you know, impressions of, of, do you agree with me that it was, it was a, you know, he kind of willed the team to victory? Yeah. You know, I had this, after the Bills Chiefs game, I had this tweet where, like, when my re- takeaway from that game watching it, and I enjoyed it, was like the quarterbacks, Mahomes and Allen, have to carry these like insane loads for these offenses. Neither team really runs the ball particularly well. You know, neither team like pass protects like super well, which the quarterbacks are sort of responsible for. And it wasn't really a criticism of either team, but like both these guys, week in, week out, just carry insane loads. And like they just, it doesn't phase them at all and that's especially true with pat i mean that that's what was yeah. my takeaway watching it last night i felt the same way it was like he had this insane load on him based on what the titans were doing based on the fact that andy Reid basically just abandoned the run game which is smart like the run game wasn't working at all yeah. and it just it doesn't matter like it just doesn't matter and you know i'm not going to turn this into overall like greatest of all time discussion but it's really i don't think a lot of quarterbacks are able to just carry the loads that a guy like Mahomes carries he he is just I don't know just watching him just how many times you like just rewatching the game like you know because I went to the game just rewatching it you know on the tv later and how many times I'm I'm thinking in my head okay he's he's you know he's waiting for something to get open nothing's getting open so he has to do something with it like he's it's never this there was a few times maybe his footwork broke down right he, mm-hmm. he does that he's a he, he tries to be an athlete sometimes instead of just maybe managing the pocket you know more up tall and stuff but just, just the way he was kind of just doing exactly what he really had to do at a lot of the times. You know, it, again, it wasn't a perfect game, but it adds up to 500 total yards and and just really effective plays and just a really impressive game. And again, you know, he he does put himself on top of the MVP conversation right now. Um, I don't know if he's the MVP favorite odds wise. I don't know if I've I've seen that change or anything. I don't know if if, if you've seen that or anything, but. Um, but yeah, so besides Mahomes, though, I mean, he was the story of the game. We got plenty of other storylines coming up that we're gonna that we're saving a little bit. 
just other quick game takeaways. I mean, Nate, I don't know if you noticed, but Joshua Williams apparently is is playing over Jalen Watson, which I thought I think is pretty interesting that that's what happened at the starting training camp. So they obviously have thought that 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 was the evaluation at first, right? But Watson kind of earned that rep over him as preseason went on, and as the season went on, it reversed back again. I don't know. This is pretty cool to see two rookie cornerbacks, especially two day three picks competing for for a starting spot like this how, how how did you see them play or just what are your thoughts on this situation yeah. watson did go out with a shoulder injury but they never confirmed on the broadcast if he was out or not I but guess, so i think point. he was available for the rest of the game I, I they never confirmed he was out so i do think you know maybe the chiefs were limiting him but to turn into a joshua williams thing i think he's played well like in every instance i know he's given up some passes i think that was unfair the pass he gave up to jimmy j in the red and like the end zone that wasn't a real completion like that was just a dumb play and like, yeah, you're going to lose to Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis once in a while. Right. But overall, he hasn't looked like a fish out of water. And that's – he came from a, you know, FCS school last year. Like, he came from this small university, and he's come in and played at a high level. So, like, I, I've been so happy with him. I've been happy with Watson. Like, if the Chiefs get one starting cornerback out of the, one of those two guys, that just – that changes everything. You don't find yeah. starting corners in the seventh round. No doubt about it. No, seriously. It's been a cool development. Um, besides that, I mean, I, the only other takeaway I'd say from this game is, is I am, and you know, I was impressed, you know, I know Mike Vrabel is a good coach, but I really do think that Titans team is, is, is squeezing every ounce of, of juice of, of, of yes. goodness they, they can get out of that team, out of that roster. And it's, you know, I, they were a team I definitely thought wasn't going to make the playoffs. This year was going to be a, a down year and they're definitely going to be in the, the, in the playoffs. I think with that division, I, I don't see any way, any of those teams top them in the division. I thought Jacksonville had a chance, but you know, they, you know, and they could make a comeback, but all right, we got to get into the stats of the week though. Cause we got plenty. We got a ton to get into. I'm actually going to let you lead off with, with what you got on, on Kelsey and, uh, and the, yeah, the Kelsey stats. So why don't you go ahead? Yeah. We were talking about like last night into this morning. Like I feel like Mike Vrabel defends Kelsey like better than any coach in the NFL besides maybe Belichick. And when you look at just like the counting stats, you're like that's crazy at 106 yards, 10 catches. They came on 17 targets. So <laughs> yeah. that, that amounts to around like 6.24 yards per target, which is actually his second lowest of the year. The lowest of the year was against the Raiders. The game he had four touchdowns. So all those passes yeah. came in the end zone. So that's that's not necessarily like a representative yeah. game. The next was the 2021 versus the Broncos, where he actually only averaged 3.38 yards a game or yards per target, excuse me. But I was like, okay, is there a trend with Mike Vrabel? Like, is it maybe was it just one game? Well, in last year's Titans game, Kelsey had an abysmal 5.42 yards per target. So he's actually better this year. And going back to the 2019 AC Championship, that was 7.5 yards per target. In the 2019 regular season game, he did average 10.71. Just for reference, in Kelsey, in his career, he averages around 9.02 yards per target. So, you know, just by the counting stats, I haven't been able to watch all 22 yet. But Vrabel honestly defends Kelsey just as well as anyone. Yeah, no, it, it, he does, they work, you know, they, they were sending someone on, whether it was Bayard or a linebacker, they were definitely keying on him. I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think Denver has always been a team that I, I noticed defends him very roughly and well, as you point out, you know, the last year, 3.38. So that makes sense. But, you know, it, they were, you know, they, they got going, but I think it's also because Mahomes had 68 pass attempts. Like, yeah, Kelsey's probably going to grab 10 of those for a hundred yards. I mean, so I, I do think, yeah, the averages definitely show you that Tennessee did a good job, you know, uh, slowing them down for the most part. And all those catches were hard. 
Like it, Kelsey had to yeah. work for everything last night. Yeah, and... especially that, uh, especially that overtime catch. He came back. Yes. I think it was that, that. That was a great catch. That was an amazing yes. catch. So like that was the thing. Like everything Kelsey has to do is hard. And as amazing as Travis Kelsey is, if you have to make him work for all those yards, that's the best way of defending him. He's still amazing. He still had a good game, but like that is definitely like the blueprint. And obviously, getting away with some penalties helped, but. That's like you have to make Kelsey work, and not every team's successful in doing it. But the Titans have proven to be successful at stopping Kelsey. Well, give me your first down numbers because I think this is interesting as well. Yeah, so I was inputting stats today, and the Chiefs were really, really bad on first down yesterday. On 38 first down plays, they only generated 145 yards. That's around 3.8 yards per play pretty bad on a success rate of only 31.586% one game sample, but that'd be like the worst in the NFL. So it obviously, when you have a bad game like that, it's going to dip your overall numbers. So I was looking at, okay, if you take ranges of the season, what do the chiefs look like on first down? So my numbers are a bit different than Ben Ben Baldwin's at RBS or RBSDM.com. But the first four games, the chiefs were averaging 5.5 yards per play on first down with around a 47% success rate, which would rank around fourth in the NFL. The last four games, they're still averaging 5.3 yards per play, but that success rate is down to 38.58%. That's 24th in the NFL. That would be 24th in the NFL. Wow. Overall, the seat. So I was kind of like, that doesn't even make sense, right? Yeah. Like we, the Chiefs offense, we'll get into it. They've been averaging a ton of EPA per drive. They've just been so efficient. And I had someone on Twitter ask me, like, is it the run game? but it really hasn't been overall in the season on first down runs. The chiefs are 10th in success rate and fourth in EPA, which I was not expecting. They're actually yeah, 20th and go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it just doesn't match the eye test, but go, yeah, go ahead. Right. They're actually 20th in dropback EPA and 19th in success rate on first down over the last four weeks. They're 20th in dropback EPA, 20th success rate on the dropbacks, 17th EPA on the run, 22nd success rate on runs. So, Yes, the run game hasn't been good, and I haven't done like a percentage. I haven't looked at like frequencies or anything like that. But it's the Chiefs haven't been great on first down overall. Like their numbers are actually around like league average, which is interesting. And it's not just the run game. Yeah, do, I'm real quick on that. Do, do you think mm-hmm. that's? It, can it be as simple as defenses? Don't care if the Chiefs run on first down, but they definitely don't want to give up a big pass or, you know, any sort of pass play really on first down because that just, you know, obviously helps the Chiefs when they, you know, have, you know, you know, have success on first down passing. Right. So is it can it be as simple as that is just that like teams are really just overcommitting to like, mm-hmm. yeah, run on those Chiefs on first down, do it. And like the Chiefs aren't just going to run on every single first down. And so they're going to be passing into some looks that aren't mm-hmm. favorable maybe to be passing into. I don't have an exact answer. My theory on this is that this is actually where Kansas City is missing Tyree Kill the most is on first downs because they don't necessarily have, like, the easy outlet for yards anymore on first downs. We all know Tyree Kill with, like, a two-yard run and make it an eight-yard run, which turns a bad play into a successful play. So the reason why I think that's a problem is they're obviously not generating as explosive passes, and a lot of those short passes to Hills were basically just, like, really good run plays. Well, now yeah. that those are gone, the Chiefs aren't running the ball at a super high level anyways, like I said. So, like, if you're not really running the ball and you're not generating a ton of explosive passing downfield and you don't have that quick outlet, it just makes things harder. Obviously, the Chiefs yeah. aren't bad on first down, and I think they'll be able to, like, get better at it throughout the season just because Andy Reid's too – and Patrick Mahomes are too good. 
but it's definitely a concerning trend because as good as Patrick Holmes is and as good as the Chiefs have been on third down this year, you, third down's really hard to win, especially once like you only have right. a certain amount of third down plays you can get to. So overall, that's kind of something I'm going to continue monitoring as the season goes on. Is like, can the Chiefs get back to where they were to start the season at first down? Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. We got a whole you know second half of the season to go, and we have a whole second half of this podcast to go. So before we hit the break, we'll just we're going to run down a few of these these stats um, to to note real quick. These are more just quick hitters. We we hit the 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 juice of this this segment, the meat of this segment already. Um, this is a fun one. Titans wide receivers did not record a catch on Sunday. They were 0 for 5 on targets. Um, Trent McDuffie has not allowed a catch in all 81 snaps he has played in the NFL so far. He's 0 for 2, or quarterbacks are 0 for 2 targeting him. Both those targets were in this past game. Um, real quick, actually, the, the one play I saw McDuffie was that it was deep down the field. And Vrabel kind of wanted a, a flag called when I saw him. The, the mm-hmm. But it was just really good coverage. So I don't know if you, if you remember that specific play, but – any yes. quick impressions on Trent McDuffie overall? Yeah, I mean, the Titans don't have a great passing offense, so it's hard to take too much away. But I do yep. appreciate the fact that he's making plays down the sideline, considering, you know, length and physicality is not his strength or his forte. The fact right. that he is doing that is encouraging. Yeah, that's a good point. No, and I thought that was really good coverage. I think it was on Hooper, tight end. Yes. So I guess that's that's not the, that's not the greatest example of, uh, of covering, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of someone impressive downfield, but – Good to see McDuffie on the field. Shield Capati of the Athletic had this on Twitter, which which shout out the the other co-host of this pod, the usual co-host of his podcast. He sent me this on Twitter. Only one offense has produced an above average performance EPA per drive wise in every game this season, and it's the Chiefs. The Chiefs' offense is first overall in EPA per drive by a wide margin. EPA is expected points added, by the way. If, if uh, for those who don't know, Chiefs' offense is first overall in EPA per drive by a wide margin. The difference between them and number two, which is the Bills, is the same as the difference between the Bills and the Bears at number 18. So the Chiefs offense is that much better than the, than the Bills offense and EPA per drive. And so that's just how much more efficient the offense. And, and, and I'll get your quick take on this, but like this is mind-blowing to me because it does. I feel like the Chiefs offense could be better, could be more efficient. Yes you know, really could be. So I don't know how mind blowing is that stat to you? I, yeah. I mean, we just talked about like the first down things and you look at the overall stats and it's like, why are you guys complaining? But I think that just speaks to how good Patrick Mahomes is. Like I really yeah. do. Like we talk so much about how good he is, but like the fact that this team with some of their issues continues to just by far be the best offense in the league is just insane. It really is. And, and one more Mahomes stat is, is per NFL research. Patrick Mahomes is the first player in the Super Bowl era with at least 400 yards and a touchdown passing and 60 yards and a touchdown rushing in the same game. Mahomes just doing historic, putting up historic numbers, even when it seems like his team has an off night and only puts up 20 points. It's just ridiculous. Um, Another one real quick. Ed Werder tweeted this. The Chiefs had six dropped passes. PFF only has them at five, but I'm going to go at six because Ed Werder also said that was the most by any team in a game this season and the most the Chiefs have had since 2009. And if you if you do watch the game, the drops were a big deal. I mean, it, it, they, there were a lot of drops. Juju, Travis, Jarek McKinnon had some. Had some. They were all a part of it. Um, not a great day for, for that. Um, and it definitely could have helped Mahomes' numbers be even more efficient than, than he already was. More fun stats, a couple more before we, before we get to break. 
Malik Willis's fourth quarter and overtime stats right here. One for eight passing, negative four passing yards, and three sacks. So when the when the time turned into the fourth quarter, Malik Willis had negative he lost passing yards from that point on. He did not gain a single more a single passing yard. Pretty ridiculous. And then also I just had a shout out Travis Kelsey. We talked about him earlier. He has the now has the most hundred yard games by a tight end in NFL history. Hard to argue that he's he's not, you know, getting closer and closer to being the GOAT tight end of all time. But I don't know. Any of those stats, you have any quick takeaways before we get to break? Yeah, I mean, congratulations to Kelsey. He's having a great career, obviously. It's going to keep going, and we'll see where it ends up. But he's going to have the statistical case to be the best tight end ever. I mean, he's going to catch Gonzalez at this pace. Oh, I agree with that. Oh, and in my heart, he's he's surpassed Gonzalez. No (laughs) doubt about it. Hopefully the older fans don't get mad at me for that one. All right. We got a would you rather going into the break. Me and Stags do this every show. And Nate, this this one's a thinker, and we're going to have a good talk about this on the other side. Would you rather see the Titans or the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs? Choose one or the other as a playoff opponent. We will talk about that on the other side. We will hear from sponsors now. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. All right, we are back here on the AP Out of Structure podcast. Appreciate you listening. We're talking Chiefs, Chiefs Titans. We're just talking all things Chiefs, right? You know, we're just we're just going through. Um, but you know, actually, we're going to be talking just NFL right here because this is a good question we left you with at the break. Nate, you got to answer this for me. Would you rather? And you, I guess you are talking from a Chiefs perspective. Mm-hmm. See the Tennessee Titans or the Miami Dolphins in the postseason. Well, I have a take about this. And while I don't think the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC, they're the team I do not want to see in the playoffs at all. I think that is a terrible matchup for the Chiefs. If we're going to talk about their defense, like the Chiefs' issues on defense have been obviously covering at the second level, stopping, you know, routes over the middle of the field, 
And arguably the team that is going to attack you the most is Miami. Because Tua is – he's just a point guard in that offense, and he's so accurate yeah. over the middle of the field. And Waddle and Hill are so fast. Like, I do not like the idea of Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel, Willie Gay trying to zone off against these guys. Nobody, No team has been able to do it so far this year. And that's, like, by far the Chiefs' biggest weakness. You can't press Will Hill or Waddle. They're too fast. Like, there's absolutely no chance the Chiefs can get hands on them. And I don't know if the Chiefs have a dominant enough front to really, like, affect Tua enough to where, like, he can't, like, accurately throw passes to them. So I'm, I don't know if the Chiefs would be able to generate a lot of stops. And while their defense is definitely bad, they're fast, and especially on the defensive line. And I would worry, like, they're actually kind of built to stop, like, a spread offense like the Chiefs. So if the Chiefs weren't able to, like, physically outmatch them, I'd be a little worried, like, that the Chiefs, like, they would still score a lot, but I don't know if they'd be able to sustain an entire game. Um, and I, you know, you could maybe say the same thing about the Dolphins, but I actually think the Dolphins' defense matches better with the Chiefs than vice versa. So, yeah, I want to avoid the Dolphins at all costs because, I mean, they're undefeated when they're healthy. That offense is just an absolute machine. And, you know, Tennessee's a good team, but I'm not sure they could win that game they played last night again. I think it'd be a lot more in the Chiefs' favor again. Yeah, I, I that's a good point. I agree with that. Uh, no, I, I – you know, this is a tough question on the surface, but I think for all the points you make, I agree with you. The, the Dolphins, you know, in, in today's NFL, it's just about it's about scoring. It's about playmaker, especially when it matters most. You know, I know, you know, it's just not defense wins championships anymore. It's just not how it works. And the Dolphins have the, the best playmakers, you know, potentially a re- receiver in the NFL. The Titans just don't have anybody. Like if the Titans still had AJ Brown, I just feel like that's. Just one mm-hmm. weapon that scares you as a passing threat. I really feel like you, you, they have a recipe to beat the Chiefs. We talked about that a little earlier. And, and obviously, they've been a thorn in the side of the Chiefs. And, and trust me, I don't want to see Derrick Henry in the playoffs. But it just right. doesn't matter as much if they don't have the passing threat to, to really double down. And that's why you're able to see teams just completely lock down and stop Henry. Because yeah. they're going to let, let leave their corners one-on-one with Robert Woods and, and – Westbrook Akeen, Akina, whatever, you know, it's just yeah, Chris ridiculous. Conley. <laughs> Chris Conley saw a target yeah. in this game last night, people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's crazy. But um, no, I, I definitely I, would say the Dolphins too. They have more ways to beat the Chiefs than the Titans do. The Titans have to stick to a yeah. very specific script to beat the Chiefs, and they're like the less talented team. The Dolphins can win in a bunch of ways because they don't have to be perfect on defense because their offense can match so quickly. They would just need a couple stops. I'd still pick the Chiefs to win. Let me make that clear. But I would be biting my nails the entire game because I think they can score faster than anybody in the league right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Tua, you said point guard. I think that's a that's an accurate description, and, and he's playing very good at, at point mm-hmm. guard right now. All right, well, let's get into some mailbag questions. And actually, we're going to lead off with, with one that wasn't actually submitted to our mailbag, but was a tweet that I found interesting from one of our own at AP, Tom Childs. He edits the Arrowhead headlines, the Arrow headlines uh, every, every, every day. And he just tweets out, rank the Chiefs receivers as of right now. That's all he says. And, of course, we need to now rank the Chiefs receivers and I'm going to go with wide receivers. I don't think we need to just – I don't think, you know, we include tight ends here. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to start out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start out here because I think at first you got to go Juju number one. I feel, I feel like that makes sense. Um, and he has earned that at this point. But after that, I feel like it already gets tough at number two, right? 
I, I do think MVS gets the benefit of the doubt. I think he has done enough this year and, and has proven that kind of, you know, the, the, his role and, and when it's, it's being used is valuable. And, and you know, and, he, and he's, he's been, a, you know, he's gotten close to 100 yards in games. I mean, he's been a top targeter. I think he's number three on the team in targets. So MVS number two. I'm going to go McColl three, though. I think McColl has earned that number three spot. Do you agree with me on that note, though, Nate? I feel like that might be the one yeah. maybe spot, first of all, that, uh, that we might slip up there. No, I mean, I think you could even make an argument for two for McColl, honestly. Oh, yeah? I think okay. that's clearly the top three. Okay, okay. Will, would you make that argument for McColl at number two? I think I think you can make the case. I've actually been pretty, like, okay with how McColl Harmon has played this year, all things yeah. considered. Like, yeah. he hasn't made as many mistakes. I feel like his routes are a little bit better this year. Um, MVS makes more mistakes, and I don't think he has quite as many, like, game-breaking plays as McColl. I mean, they're close, but I actually think if you maybe say, like, who would I feel better in, like, in a high-level situation, I think it might be McColl. Okay. Well, I, I think, you know, the more time goes on, the more it's hard to, to to disagree with what you just said about, you know, McColl has in his – especially, you know, they each have their own roles. And I know McColl mm-hmm. sometimes his role is a little less of a receiver, more of just to, you know, get the ball in his hands. But, I mean, that is his role, and he does it very, very well. And, and that does at some point factor into how you were used as a receiver and how you're evaluated, but that's the top three. Number four, I'm going to go ahead and say it's Kadarius Tony. I think he's number four <laughs> right now. Um, and I think number five is Justin Watson. So guess who that leaves at number six? That's Sky Moore, which kind of sucks to say, but I just feel like that you kind of just have to do it at this point. Do you have any different of a list than that? Uh, no. And like, we'll see what Tony like brings this offense. It's too soon to say too much. Although he looked good yesterday, but yeah, you know, Sky, I was high on him to start the season, and he is getting more snaps and stuff, and it just hasn't happened yet. And it might not happen this year. Like, it could be he's more, you know, it's a rookie. He's going to take longer to develop. But it really doesn't feel like Sky Moore is going to have a role in the offense this year. Yeah, and, and I just really do feel like there is something to uh, what we saw yesterday or, yeah, Sunday. Kadarius Tony gets forced out of the ball in the first drive, you know, obviously the first play of the game. But then we also saw that little, you know, that little pivot route, that little you yeah. know, option route uh, over the middle. And, and we saw him, you know, create separation that way. That right there in a little microcosm, a little video clip, mm-hmm. little Twitter clip is exactly what we need for, or the Chiefs yes. need from from their wide receivers, uh, you know, especially outside of, of Travis Kelsey. And and we saw Tony do that right there. And so. That's where it's just like for, for them to get him so involved so quickly and for him to also do succeed, you know, obviously in one, just one play, but succeed in the way they kind of need someone to succeed. That just really does point to me that he, mm-hmm. he is going to continue to get a role this year. And that's where, yes, Sky is going to maybe be the long-term option all of a sudden and, and you know, maybe not see much, much playing time. I don't know. I, is that the right way to, to do it? Are you, you know, are you upset that they didn't try to stick to Sky a little you know, ride him a little harder. I don't know. Are, are, are there any further feelings about this situation right now? Um, well, first you got Tony, his quick twitch agility movements. He's not as game breaking speed, especially vertically as Tyree kill. But I honestly think he's like 95% of what Tyree kill is in terms of like his fluid movements. It was one route, but like he changes his speed and his tempo so much. He is really like a pretty sharp route runner which mm-hmm. I did not think he was at Florida. So he's developed there. So I, I hope he you know is able to pick up the playbook because I do think the Chiefs need his just like underneath like movement skills. I think that's going to mm-hmm. pair well in this offense. 
and yeah, I, I don't think it's too soon to say like Sky Moore, you know, was worth the draft pick or not. But it just I just don't think it's gonna happen this year. I don't think it's anything bad. It's gonna take time for him to develop chemistry with Mahomes and learn the playbook. You know, Andy Reid receivers typically don't flash a ton as rookies. Even Tyreek Hill, like yeah. he didn't do a ton until his you know second, third year. So I'm not super worried about that long term. I think there's too many positive traits with Sky for him to fail. But I just don't think it's going to be this year, and I don't think that's a bad thing either. Well, we're going to keep talking receivers. Uh, J.C. Proctor asks, he says, the offensive offense, more about the O-line, running back, and no separation from wide receiver. Thanks, guys. And, and we will talk about that because Brad Green asks a very detailed question. The broadcast doesn't do route schemes any justice, so I'm always curious. What are we doing or not doing downfield to open up the passing attack? Even when Pat had time, he seemingly had nowhere to go, which we already talked about was definitely an observation from this game. This uh, Brad, you're spot on. I would love to see this chart have more deep seam targets. And he's referring to a, a next gen stats chart. If you guys are familiar, probably seeing him on Twitter, basically showing that, you know, showing Mahomes' uh, game chart. And, and yeah, there's no, there's no targets beyond, you know, about 10 to 10 yards up the seams. He says, especially versus cover two shell, assuming that's still the look we're getting, which, you know, a lot of times it is not not 100 percent of the time anymore. Even with a zillion attempts, the middle 15 plus seems largely avoided. Nate, I know you're someone that that has definitely put some thought into, you know, how this team is is getting, you know, into their passes downfield, right into their route schemes, into their patterns, whether it be personnel, whether it be just, you know, kind of the different plays they're they're running. What would you what would you say to Brad about kind of you know not being able to see the route schemes kind of uh, yeah. you know what we're not doing or, or or doing downfield in the passing game? So I was seeing the all twenty two. I will say this: I felt like Tennessee was consistently changing their coverages, and that from like a play calling sense, that does like it affects the way you call plays because you know if there's a play where Kansas City calls like a man beating route concept and suddenly it's zone, then it's mm-hmm. harder to do that. So. Again, I have to watch the all twenty-two to confirm that, but it really did feel that way. And overall, like, you know, is it the offensive line? Is it the running backs? It's wide receivers. It's a little bit of everything. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it honestly is just a tiny bit of everything. You know, the wide receivers. I like Juju a lot, but they don't have a ton of quick separation, and that's kind of what I talked about earlier with like Tyree Kill. They don't have that easy button anymore, where it's just like just get Tyree the ball and he's going to get you nine yards. That's not really part of their offense anymore, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But those like explosive underneath passes that we used to see that turn in longer gains, they just aren't there as much. Guys don't break tackles as much as they did, like Tyreek did, um, which was really noticeable last night. There were like no broken tackles from anyone outside of Kelsey. Um, So, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily like just, you know, not a ton of Athletic juice at wide receiver, the offensive tackles, offensive line not playing great, the lack of a run game. I mean, the Chiefs offense is still very good, but there's definitely like a lack of like just this easy option on any single down. And I do think yeah. it's affected their offense. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The easy the easy button is not there as much, um, you know, and, and, and when you're just talking specifics, though, uh, when it comes to, to the route trees. You know, I, I, it is, I, I do think they could test the seams more, but it is hard. You know, it is hard in today's NFL with athletic linebackers, um, you know, especially now, you know, with safeties, you know, cause that seam route is a lot of, uh, you know, a tight end route a lot of the time and, and, you know, safeties and linebackers aren't giving Kelsey, you know, much room up the seam, you know, and so it is a tough throw for Mahomes to make a lot of the time. Um, so that's, 
that's maybe where that comes in. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're just not seeing guys that, you know, this, this receiving core, at least just guys that separate, you know, very, very effectively. And that's where that easy thing comes in, right? You know, easy passes are the, to the guys that have separation away from their cornerbacks, right? Not guys that are, have guys draped all over them. And we've seen, you know, them have success with Juju on the back shoulder. Justin Watson had a great back shoulder catch, uh, you know, on Sunday and, and Mahomes is going to trust him there. He actually threw it another time deep downfield to Justin Watson, um, you know, at, at, at a point on Sunday. So, no, it, it does just seem like, you know, Mahomes is taking what the defense is, is, is giving him and and that when the receivers aren't creating separation, a lot of times that is checking down or really tight window throws or just getting it to Kelsey right off the snap or, you know, these mm-hmm. quick throws that, you know, he's throwing it. It's a pre-snap determination, right? He's not reading the defense at the snap. He's catching it and throwing it on a quick screen or a quick slant or, or a quick speed out, however, you know, whatever it is. So I just think, yeah, a lot of that is the fact that the receivers aren't, you know, running their routes in an effective enough way to have these long developing routes turn into big pass plays and, and, you know, it has something to do with pass protection, but the pass protection was good on Sunday. I mean, I, I, yes. I don't know if you, yeah, good is the right word, right? You would say, would you say good for the pass? There were, on there were definitely a couple bad sacks towards the fourth quarter, but for the most part, it was fine. Like the, first, yeah. I think they had five sacks and I would say probably three yeah. of them covered sacks. There were a couple, I, it, like, it's going to look, they dropped back in 78 times. Like if you have two bad sacks true, 78 yeah, yeah. times, especially with offensive linemen and how good their defensive line is, you, you take that. So I have that's no real true. complaints about the offensive line. Yeah, no, that's true. And and there was a lot of, there were a lot of times where Mahomes was calmly, you know, reading and scanning the field because he had the time to, you know, and, and the line was giving him that. So no, I, I do think the Titans just played a really good game and, and, but, and that's where we came back to Mahomes being very impressive because, with the Titans mixing a lot of coverages, with the receivers not creating a lot of separation a lot of times, you know, with no run game, he was just able to kind of will the offense down the field when they needed to, you know, towards the end of the game, especially, you know, at that last uh, touchdown drive. And so, yeah, I, I think the way it gets better, though, you know, moving forward, you know, in terms of the receivers, you know, um, getting open down the field, you get, you, I, you know, and that's where Sky can still have a role. I mean, Sky should still be able to, be one of these guys that can get open, you know, because of a good route release, because of good footwork on his, on his routes and, you know, in and out of his route breaks. You know, I, I do think there's still a role for him in this offense somewhere, but there's just a lot of guys, but he can, he's the one of them that can create separation in my opinion. It's just, we have not seen it. And so it's hard to keep saying that when, when he's continually, you know, not necessarily showing it, but, but yeah, I, I Tony's definitely someone they can get more and more involved with there and they're going to, you know, involve him more, um, you know, again, you know, that's just only going to open up other, you know, stuff for other things too, the more he gets involved. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's the receivers, you know, it's, it's kind of, they are who they are a little bit at this point and they can play better. They did not play as well as they can on Sunday, but you know, it is kind of, that is going to kind of be a theme of this season is those, those flaws kind of continually coming up, uh, you know, and, and kind of having those same questions over and over, but we'll move on. We'll talk about other parts of the offense. Thomas Ramirez on Twitter asks oh my Mahomes right which yes Mahomes we 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 oh my is is the right collection of words there uh I think they need Clyde catching out of the backfield on small routes again um yeah sure I, I you know I do think the lack you know the lack of Clyde in the passing game was largely just due to the fact that you know Jarek McKinnon's their third down back and Pacheco's a starter now and so Clyde is actually gonna probably he only saw 17 percent of the snaps which it might have to might kind of be the way it is moving forward but this is to talk about the O-line real quick. 
Am I the only one seeing the O-line be great one week and terrible the next? And yeah, I think we all know it's volatile, but but Nate, this is all leading to this question, and this is where I want to have a discussion point. Ryan Peterson on Twitter asks, is Trey Smith injured or just a bad matchup on the interior with Titans? Pressure seemed consistent from the inside. How did you see Trey Smith play, and what are your thoughts on how uh, he and the rest of the offensive line played last night? I do think Trey Smith's injured, but I also don't think he's playing great. I think both those things can be true. Yes. He's definitely not moving as well as he was last year because, like, he's just missing more blocks, especially in the run game that he just wasn't last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Trey's a really talented player, but, like, always his weakness going back to college was, like, he's not, like, the most, like, lateral fluid mover, especially when you look at a guy like like Joe Tooney. Like, Tooney's just such, like, a fluid mover, like a flexible mover. That's not Trey. He's more upright, and that's not a bad mm-hmm. thing. But especially when, you know, he likes to reach a lot, he likes to lean and against a well-coached defensive line, the Titans got him a few times where they would just, like, push him, and then they would, like, pull through, and, like, Trey would, like, fall on his face, which that happened some last year, too. So, yeah, I do think he's not moving as well. I think he's missing more blocks. I also think some of his weaknesses are coming out more this year. He's still a good player, a very good player at times. But, yeah, he's just not playing as well this year as he was last year. Yeah, he as always. I, 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 that was one thing I noticed about his college tape when we drafted him was that he, he did, he did have a hard time staying on his feet a lot of time. You know, mm-hmm. he is kind of a, you know, I, I don't want to say this word because it can be such a negative word, but kind of a sloppy player at times. You know, it's oh, just, yeah. it's just kind of his play style. And, and you take the ceiling of that sloppiness, which is destroying a guy, you know, completely mm-hmm. wiping out, a, you know, a defensive end on a, on a counter play, you know, out of the picture. Um, but, but yeah, no, you're right. I, the rewatch, the thing I noticed the most was how bad Trey Smith was. I mean, I yes. I, I will say bad because he had a very poor yes. performance. Um, he PFF, was the one offensive lineman I'd credibly say was bad, like yesterday. The other four played fine, but he, like, yeah. if you want to say the offensive line was bad and you point to him, I would agree. I, I agree with that. I, I thought Orlando Brown, you know, it wasn't his best game, but a few of the times he, he let pressure go, it, it was kind of just – you know, Mahomes having to hold the ball on too long. And, mm-hmm. you know, eventually you're not going to hold the ball block for five, five, six seconds. I mean, it's just not how it works. So, mm-hmm. um, no, but on Trey Smith, PFF says Trey Smith allowed six pressures, which for a guard, that's a lot. I mean, that tackles, tackles, you can kind of say sometimes six pressures can kind of be a little misleading, you know, because it is, you know, if, if a quarterback steps up and gets, you know, brushed, it can be a pressure sometimes. But, and as a guard, it is quite a bit, and, and it's his career high. It's tied for his career high, uh, according to PFF. He allowed one sack, one quarterback hit, and four other hurries. And uh, his, it's tied for his career high with two other games. And I know you, you mentioned – it's a good point to mention, too. The drop-back number definitely increases his chance of giving up right. pressures, right? Um, but, no, it, the problem with me was it, it just wasn't Simmons, which is what Ryan here in the question kind of maybe insinuates, right? Like – the interior with the Titans was really good. Jeffrey Simmons is a really good player. And they also have Danico Autry come from the inside a lot of the times. But I noticed uh, a man named uh, – and now I can't even think of his name – DeAndre Walker. DeAndre Walker was was getting him a couple times pretty bad. And and that's when it's like, okay, I mean, I if Jeffrey Simmons gets you, but when you're losing DeAndre Walker on multiple pass rush snaps and one of them leads to a sack, it's 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 not looking great. So, yeah, I, I, was, I was definitely disappointed in Trey Smith's performance. Mm-hmm. Um I it's hard to blame it on the injury still, right? Because it's it's been a little bit, but it, you can definitely you know offensive linemen you know not being at full house, it can definitely be a pain in the butt to kind of mm-hmm. deal with all that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, 
it's not like we need to be thinking about Allegretti at right guard, right? We're not. Oh God, no, that no, part, no, right? no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go back and watch. Was that the Raiders game? Go back and yeah. watch that game if 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 you want Trey Smith out of the lineup because yeah, like, yeah. So no, we're not doing that. But it, it isn't worth pointing out because I think it was that noticeable. But let, let's look at uh, actually Don Julio has the last three questions on the pod, so we'll hit them all real quick. Uh, he asks, Don Julio does, is our lack of any running game a our fatal flaw? So th- will this actually come back to bite us, Nate, that we can't run the ball with crap? Because, it, I mean, we can't. I think it's it's pretty close to that being a fact by now. Um, mm-hmm. But will it come back to actually bite them? I don't think it'll be the reason. If the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl or make a deep playoff run, I'm not going to say that's the reason why, but I do think it'll be a contributing factor. Because I am worried that there's just going to be situations where the Chiefs need a couple tough yards that they're not able to generate. And, you know, it's, it's Patrick was an amazing player. And I talk about the load he carries, but it's just so hard to carry every single drop back against really good defenses. So I'm not going to say that's the reason why the Chiefs lose. I think that'll be more about like their pass rush or the wide receivers, but it'll be on the list if it happens. Yeah, yeah right. If it happens, exactly. Mm-hmm. Got to throw that in there. Uh, no, I, I agree. I That's the thing. You know, they, they can't run on, on a good team. The Titans are a really mm-hmm. good run defense, possibly the best run defense in the NFL. I mean, over the over, um, you know, the, the the last few weeks, statistically, they have become one of the best. And uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not super, super worried about it. You know, it is ineffective. But again, you know, when Mahomes can do what he does last night and, and even I still think he could play a better game than he did. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that's all that matters. So. Well, we'll we'll move to his next question where he says, blame meter for horrible running games, zero to 100 running backs, offensive line or scheme coaching. Let's play it this way. What's what's the number one out of of those three you think is is the number one blame meter? This is tough. It is. It is. Probably say the running backs are one scheme two, offensive line three. I, you know what? I, I think I, I agree with that. I, I, that's a good ranking of it. I, I, that is a good ranking of it because as much, as much trouble as I have with the scheme coaching at times with, with, with them, the way they call mm-hmm. their plays, it, they are a spread offense. They do have to call yes. those run plays like that for a reason, right? It's, it, you know, it, it's just part of how their offense is formed and how they want to pass the ball. And if they had a better running back, you know, a lot of maybe we wouldn't be complaining about the way they run the ball as much yes. because they take advantage of as much. So I, I like the, I, I think I completely agree with that ranking of it. Yeah. Offensive line, do not blame with the run game. I, like an offensive line can't be perfect every single front play. Some guys going to lose once in a while. That's on your running backs. And, you know, I think it's good. We'll lead into this in the next question, but the running backs right now are just not getting extra yards. Like there's everything has to be like manufactured for them right now. And I think it's a problem. Well, last question, Don Julio, did some people crown Pacheco as the answer to our running back purgatory way too soon? I'll I'll let you take it from there because I, we, we running back purgatory is an interesting place to put it, but I guess that is, I I guess that's is where we still continue to be. So here's the thing that I start with Pacheco in terms of being a seventh round running back. He's been exactly what I've expected. The problem with Pacheco, I guess, discourse is that, and I don't blame fans. He was hyped all off season as this like prodigy running back. And I was always really skeptical. Like, cause when you watch Pacheco run, like he runs really hard, but he's not that good of a runner. He's kind of stiff. He runs fast in the open field, but he's not like particularly quick. He's missed some holes this year and things like that. And 
like he wasn't a seventh round pick for a reason. Like I, I hate to be that guy, but for a running back to be a seventh round pick, there's usually like fatal flaws for why you aren't like one hundred, like a top one hundred pick. Because like usually guys that big and that fast get drafted in the top one hundred, and he wasn't. And obviously, like I think he'll play better over time, but he just he's just not that great of an athlete. Yeah, no, I I, I made this comparison on draft day when we made the pick. I got scared of it when all the hype came about training camp and and I've kind of almost said I'm completely wrong on it, but I'm I'm going to stick to this take that he is it does feel like he's just Nile Davis all over again, right? Just Nile Davis just a dude that yeah, it's a good comp. Gets, it's a really good he, comp. <laughs> if he gets a straight lane, that dude is probably going to look great because he is fast in the open field and he mm-hmm. does run powerfully. He's a bigger dude. He's he's got the size profile. And he's probably going to be hard to tackle once he gets a little ahead of steam, right? Yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, if it's not there for him, he's not creating it. I guess is. is I would it just say seems like, like that so far. His high end ceiling is Damian Williams, and for a seventh round pick, that's great. Yeah. That's really like right. that's great. But like he's just, I don't think. But I, I could be wrong, obviously, and I hope I'm wrong. I don't think Pacheco is ever going to become some like star running back for the Chiefs or like some weapon in this offense. I just don't think he's like. I just. There's something about him when I watch. I don't. I'm never impressed with the way he runs. It's really choppy. It's kind of slow. Choppy. Yeah. And like it, it doesn't feel like he creates anything. Like he yeah. falls forward and he runs hard, but there's no creation ability. There's no yards after ta- like contact or anything like that in his game. No, you, you know that choppy is the right word. First of all, but that is the one thing, and it is like it's starting to like because I keep kind of wanting to blame sample size for this, but. You do keep hearing that like he's some hard runner that 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 breaks tackles, but has he broken a tackle? Like it doesn't feel like he actually ever breaks tackles. If it is, it's just falling forward. Right. It's not, yeah. And that's Kareem Hunt, when he breaks tackles, it's actually completely getting away from the person and continuing yeah, to run yeah. down the field. Like, yeah, no, I it is kind of and and actually I I noticed someone, um, uh, I think it was a fantasy guy. He tweeted out metrics on that. And, and actually Clyde and, and Jarek have forced more missed tackles this year than, than Pacheco or like at a yeah. rate, you know, on, on a rate rate wise. But, um, and anyway, none of those guys are good at breaking tackles either. <laughs> exactly. No, but it's just, I think there's, there is this narrative because we see him run hard that like, he's a better tackle breaker than yeah, Clyde. He gets or, tough or yards, but that's not the case. I know. And, and, he does need to at some point prove it because yeah, I, I keep wanting to kind of say, okay, like sample size, he hasn't really gotten the, the, the room to get in rhythm yet, but the last two games he's been the starter technically, mm-hmm. and we still haven't really seen it, you know, turn into much more than it was before he was named the starter, mm-hmm. um, but they have played some tough defenses. So, uh, you know, yeah. but they're going to play tough defenses when it matters. So that's not a good <laughs> excuse. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a good discussion though, because he is, it is, you know, the run game has to, you know, it, we need to see some sort of juice from it at some point, right? It'd be nice. We can't, we can't just go the entire season with seventy-eight dropbacks from Mahomes every right. game. Well, I guess he's gonna this, die. So. This is like one last question: is like, is it time for Ronald Jones? Is it? It might be time. Yeah. Like, Ronald Jones has flaws. He's not one of my. He wasn't someone I've ever liked watching. But the one thing about him, he gets tough yards. He's fast. He he's gonna fall for extra two three yards. It, it might be time to look. It, it doesn't hurt to look because, like, it's just these running backs aren't giving him anything. I understand, like, you can't have four – I shouldn't say can't, but you don't want to have four active running backs 
So you're basically mm-hmm. between Clyde Pacheco and Ronald Jones. I think it's you have to try it. Like it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah, yeah, I know that that that's the thing is is I don't know if it actually makes a difference. Like if that actually bringing him up actually does mm-hmm. anything, but. That's where I can't like, how can I argue your point that you have to try? Like, how can I argue that? How can anybody argue that nothing is nothing is working? So you might as well try with a guy that had, you know, he doesn't fit the system necessarily, but you brought him in for a reason talking to the team. He was in your, you know, it's not like he hasn't practiced all offseason in this offense. Mm -hmm. So as much as I want to say he's not like a a good fit for when, you know, they're doing a lot of their shotgun stuff, Mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he's played in the offense and, I agree with you. Just give him a chance at least, but I don't know if that's going to do anything, but you might as well. And I think, I think most people would agree with that, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, at, at the same time, you know, I, I do think it's, it's hard to see the running, the run game improving just because of another mm-hmm. running back coming in. Um, although, like we said, the running back, we, we did blend the running backs, the number one thing for those run games. So I guess you're right. I guess when we talk about it, when you put it in that perspective, it's a little, it's a little something else, a little something new could maybe make the difference. So, it's been a fun podcast, Nate. This is a this has been a good show. Wrapping up Chiefs Titans and and looking forward. Me and Stags usually look forward real quick to the Jags, but uh, now we'll we'll kick that to the Great British Chiefs show. They usually do a good job of of previewing the upcoming game because they're the the first of the midweek. So, Nate, appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, it was it was a really good talk. Uh, why don't you plug what you got coming up for the site and uh, where they can find you on Twitter? Yep, uh, my Twitter handle is at NateCH32. Um, I, I have to watch all 22. I'm going to do that right after this. I, I kind of wanted to talk about what what makes a Vrabel defense successful against the Chiefs, and is that like going to be a problem for the Chiefs going forward? It'll be a lot to dig into, and I'm in, I haven't watched the film yet, so I'm interested to see maybe was it execution. But, yeah, you, you know, these Vrabel-type defenses do well, so I'm interested to see is there anything we need to be concerned about. Love it. Love it. Yeah, we will have plenty of content for you on the site. I think Brian's going to be breaking down the Kadarius Tony snaps we got, um, seeing kind of what we can learn from from the limited snaps we got from him on Sunday. So appreciate everyone listening. Make sure you listen to the rest of the podcast network throughout the week. Make sure you're checking us out. I should have mentioned this, but me and Nate do the AP Film Room along with Brian on the YouTube page. So make sure you're going to the YouTube page and checking that out on on, uh, Wednesday is usually when it drops. Until next week when Stags is probably back with me, I'm Ron, this is Nate, and we appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.